Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 50. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Do you love vintage cars? Then go to CarsYeah.com and get a free copy of the fantastic Filler Up book. It's a full-color ebook filled with fuel filler fun with over 60 color photographs of vintage cars plus inspirational quotes from some of the most famous automotive enthusiasts of all time. Simply go to CarsYeah.com, click on the free book button on the homepage, and download your Filler Up book today. It's free at CarsYeah.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. Today, I'm very excited to introduce my special guest, Frank Mandarano. Frank, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I'm ready to go. Let's uh, hit the go button. All right. Frank has been a car guy since he was 12 years old. He's a decorated veteran and a licensed commercial pilot. He's the founder of Maserati Club International and MIE Corporation. And Frank also founded the Concorso Italiano an annual Italian mark gathering in Monterey, California. Frank started the original one and only Car Guy Tour and still operates dream come true trips for automotive enthusiasts from around the world. You can find Frank visiting automotive factories, museums, wineries, and more, or catch him cruising down the road in one of his many Maserati 3500 GTs. So Frank, I've told our listeners a little about you. Would you take some more time and share some more about your history, your tours, your interests, and, of course, your passion for automobiles. Well, like a lot of guys out there, it all started uh, when I was young. I grew up on a farm in, uh, close to the Canadian border in the state of Washington, and tractors were my first introduction to things mechanicals. So as a, as a young lad, 8, 10, 12 years old, I was very interested in tractors. I could, I could look across the field a mile away and see a tractor coming and know exactly what it was. I could identify them all, and uh, I just enjoyed things mechanical, and that that grew to uh, when I turned 14, 15, uh, having a first car, and like a lot of people in 1962, it was in my teenage years, I grew up in Bellingham, and uh, which is a, a city in south of the Canadian border in Washington State. Cars and cruising was, you know, what everybody did, and you know, at night I'd be at home working on my car instead of out, you know, instead of in the house doing my homework. <laughs> of course you were. Uh, after I got out of high school, I, you know, in those days you either got married and avoided the draft, you went to college and avoided the draft, or you enlisted and avoided the draft. And by enlisting, you could choose your own career path. Well, I enlisted in the in the Army because I wasn't going to go to college. They found out I had a very high mechanical aptitude and therefore put me in uh, in helicopter maintenance school. So I went to six to eight months of maintenance school and became a helicopter flight engineer and uh, spent a tour of duty in Vietnam and was uh, decorated for heroism while there. I think I've got over 350 combat assault hours and uh, made it home alive in the about when I was 20 years old. And after the military, I... I got a job selling cars, which lasted for about a year or so. And then I got into real estate and realized that that was really where it was at. And I ended up at 24 years old buying the the old Fremont Hotel here in Seattle, which um, had 
13 storefronts and uh, 55 rooms. And uh, that's how I got into the real estate business. And uh, it was during that period that a friend of mine was going to get married on, in the south of France. And so 26 people from Mercer Island flew over for the wedding. And I was one of those people. There was a small group of us, uh, four of us, 20-somethings, who was going over for the wedding. And at the same time, we were going to tour Italy and France and Germany. And and be, being somewhat of a car guy at the time and all, not fully blossomed, we, we decided that we would tour the Ferrari and the Maserati factory in the same day. Oh, wow. This was in 1971. Ooh. And so, needless to say, that's where I was infected with this bacteria, this Maserati bacteria. And it was very impressive being at Maserati, uh, watching them make those cars and and watching people that work there. Or sometimes they're, they were grandsons and sons of people that had worked there before them. And then while I was at the Maserati factory, they showed us the first Bora, the very first one, the prototype car. And I remember it like it was yesterday. It was up on a hoist, and it was what they call body in white. It had not been painted yet. That was very impressive to see that. A year later, after I got back from Europe, I saw a red 3500 GT here on Mercer Island. I, I purchased the car, and two days after I purchased it, it broke. The rod bearings began knocking. Uh-oh. And the car was without, you know, went in for repairs, and that took months to get it done. And it was during that period where uh, I was looking for parts for the mechanic, you know, bearings and gaskets and things, that I realized there were no dealers and there was nobody supplying parts anymore and that perhaps a good idea would be to start a Maserati club. And that's when I founded in 1976, together with my future wife, we founded the Maserati Information Exchange, which morphed into the Maserati Club International, which subsequently um, had 3,500 members from 39 countries. Wow. So... This club also grew into restoring Maseratis, and because we had all the parts, we were at one point, we stocked about $8 million in Maserati spare parts. We began restoring Maseratis, and people sent us, sending us their Maseratis from all over the U.S. and other parts of the world, and we were restoring only Maseratis. We had uh, four mechanical technicians. We had uh, three upholstery people. We had a sheet metal guy from New Zealand, a body guy, and parts guys. And we were cranking out Maseratis. Uh, <laughs> How cool. Uh, storing them and putting them in and out. So those were fun days. Those were prior to the B-Turbo, so they were all pretty much GT cars. Mm -hmm. So those were a lot of fun days there. Yeah. So that's kind of brings us up to that point. Well, that's fantastic, and it's what Cars Yeah is all about, is inspiring automotive enthusiasts. How you took your passion for something and turned it into a career. It's a fantastic story. It was one day, driving down the street, where I had this... This light bulb moment. Mm -hmm. Your yeah. aha moment. <laughs> yeah, my aha moment was driving down the street and, and realizing there must be other people out there just like me that are in the same position that can't find parts or information. Of course, this was prior to fax machines and, par and emails. You know, we had, a, you know we, we had a telex. That was it. Yeah, yeah. No, that's fantastic. Now, that moves us forward to you got involved and founded the Concorso Italiano. Yes. Which is an amazing event. I think I've been to every one of those so far. Tell us a little bit about that venture. Well, every as the as as the Maserati Club, we would have meets every year, 
And so we would have uh, uh, our meets would be uh, down in Napa Valley, and then we'd have a meet. Our first meet was up in Lake Tahoe, and uh, then we had one in Southern Oregon, and then we would go to Monterey in August. And so some of the guys that would come to our meets, they loved our meets because we'd have 40 to 60 Maserati GT cars, and people really, you know, Frank and Janet put on a great party. They said, gosh, we love your meets, but, you know, it's hard for us to justify going to Tahoe in July and taking time off of work for four days and then going to Monterey in August, you know, doing the Pebble Beach weekend. And, you know, have you ever thought about holding your meets down in Monterey? You know, if you listen to your customers, they'll tell you what they want. You know, listening is very important. And so we thought, well, that's probably not a bad idea. So the following year, we combined our meet with the Monterey weekend. And people really like that. And we, we looked for a place... This was in 1981. We looked for a place to have our Maserati-only concourse. Janet had been out to Quail Lodge and met with the food and beverage manager. They said, yeah, sure, you can use the driving range, and we can have a little lunch for you, whatever. So we went out to Quail Lodge, and we had about 60 Maseratis parked on the driving range, and we had a little lunch. And I looked around, and I thought, oh, my God, this is just so beautiful. And so a couple years later, we invited the Lamborghini Club. I called up my friend Jim Hetty at the Lamborghini Club, and I said, hey, what are you guys doing on uh, Friday? And he says, nothing. We're not doing anything. And they said, well, you want to come out and join us at Quail Lodge? We got the driving range for our little lunch. And he said, yeah, sure, we'll come out there. So we had another 50, 60 Maseratis, and we had 40 Lamborghinis. And uh, I said, wow, this was really looking good. And so the following year, we invited the ESO Grifo Club to join us. And then the fourth year, we invited the Pantera Club to join us. And then the fifth year, we invited the Fiats and the Alphas. And finally, we were getting a lot of calls from the Ferrari guys saying, hey, we'd like to come out to your event. We've heard about that. And it sounds like a lot of fun. How come you don't invite us? And okay, you guys are invited. <laughs> so we, we invited the uh, Ferrari Club on the sixth year. And the whole thing just took off from there. Blew up, yeah. It just blew up. By that point, there was only the car owners were invited. There was no fees to uh, charge for spectators, and uh, it was just a small lunch for the the uh, guys that brought their cars. So it it, it started morphing into a um, a real Italian lifestyle show yeah. about the late '80s and early '90s, '99, Sure. Well, it's been a fantastic show, and I remember some of your early years being there. I wasn't a didn't own any of those cars, but I'd come over and kind of walk around and check it <laughs> check it out <laughs> in the early '90s. You remember what years you were there? Uh, well, it would have been 90, I think the first year, 90 or 91, perhaps. Uh-huh. Yeah, because this August, coming up next week, will be my 20, I believe my 24th year going down there. Yeah. I think it was 90, 91. Yeah. So, yeah, t- great. My daughter was two because I remember she was tiny and I was carrying her around on my back in a little backpack. So The, the inspiration for Concorso Italiano really came, the seed of it, not many people know this, came from Giorgetto Giugiaro. Mm. One day I got a telex, no fax. I got a telex. I'd met Giugiaro back in the 70s. And I got a telex from him in the early 80s, I think 1980. And he asked me, he said that they were putting on a, uh, there was a, he was going to be at the Aspen Design Conference, Aspen, Colorado. And Mm -hmm. that year the theme was the Italian Idea. And they were featuring all the Italian car designers and clothing designers and, uh, you know, 
artist from Italy. It was, a, it was you know, the Masonis were there. Bertolucci, the movie director, was there. Cool. And so he he wanted me to put together a, a small group of cars that he had designed. You know, the Ghibli, the Bora, the Mirac, New Quattroporte. And so I said, sure, I'd do that. And and so I put those together, and I went to Aspen and met him, and the cars were there. And and this was the first kind of idea for an Italian-only car and lifestyle festival. When it came time a couple years later to do the Concorso Italiano, it was really modeled after that uh, Aspen Design Conference. And that's where it came from. Wow. That's very cool. Very cool. Yeah, that's wonderful. Let's move forward into the Car Guys Tour, because this tour that you put on and you take people all over the place to see all things car. Tell us how that evolved and, and how that's going. Well, again, from 1978 on, when I first founded the Maserati Club, I began going to Italy every year, buying parts and meeting the designers and because uh, I knew some guys in Italy and in Turin. And, and so they'd take me around and introduce me. And I met Mr. Signor Frua and uh, Mr. Giugiaro, of course, and Sergio Pinaforina and wow. Tony Anuccio. They were, he was a good friend of mine. And, and I was going to Italy every year. And, I would, and I, it was kind of what I call the automotive triangle. I'd land in Milan and I'd go to Torino and then down to Modena and back up to Milan. Sure. Zagato was and Turing and the others. And so that's all I would do every year. You know, Milan, Turin, Modena, Milan, Turin, Modena, Milan, Turin, Modena. And I was going every year and I was seeing the same guys and I was going to all these little places. And so back in 1998, I thought, well, hell, you know, I'm going there anyway. Why not take a few guys with me? Yeah. And so and so I ran an ad for a car guy tour and that first year was amazing because for the first I don't know 8 or 9 years or so we drove cars everybody got a rental car and uh everybody wanted alpha 156s you know and sure so the tour included the rental car and and then we'd follow each other around and uh we'd go to Turin and check into the hotel and then we'd drive down to Modena and we'd have a convoy of all these cars running around, which which was fun on one hand, but some of the older people, you know, found it a little bit, you know, uh, taxing. You know? Sure, sure. A little, a little more difficult driving in Italy. The ones that were a little timid. Mm-hmm. So that's how that got started. Wow, that's amazing. Well, as we continue down this journey and this road of your life, I always like to start with a success quote. It's something that has been instrumental in forming your life and your success with your career, and it's a great way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars, yeah? So, Frank, take the wheel. You know, the first thing that comes to my mind is passion. You know, everybody says passion. Everybody says you got to have passion for what you do. But in my opinion, passion is not enough. It's not enough to have passion. I think the main ingredient and the first thing that I would advise is tenacity. <laughs> the ability to stick with something when all around you have fallen short, when the odds are stacked against you to keep going, that ability to get up off the mat and keep fighting and keep going and don't take no for an answer. Passion is one thing, but to love to play the piano, you know, you can love to knit and sew, but if you don't have the passion for what you're doing and you don't have the tenacity to keep going and, you know, with it, the passion won't do it alone won't get you there 
Tell us how you've you've integrated that tenacity into your business and your career and your life. I know putting on something like the Concarso, oh my gosh, there are so many facets of that. And putting on a tour where you're taking people on a trip of their lifetime, you don't want to let them down. How has that passion and tenacity helped you? How have you incorporated that into your careers? I just, I don't take no for an answer. <laughs> and if I want something, I keep going and keep trying. You know, Shel Cavalli, you know, may he rest in peace, you know, was just a great man and I admired him deeply. You know, he once told me on the phone, I was asking him once, you know, how did you get involved in Maserati? He says, I picked up the phone and called Di Tommaso. <laughs> yeah. I thought to myself, just pick up the phone and call the guy. That's tenacity. And it served me well. So many times when I needed to get something done, forget the email, just pick up the phone and call him and ask him. It's surprising how many people can make a decision and say, yeah, what well, sounds like a good idea to me. Let's do it. You know, in this venture that's only two months old here called Cars Yeah, I found that exactly to be the truth. I did it this morning. I'd been contacting some people via email and just wasn't getting anywhere and made three phone calls and three, made three appointments for some interviews. And I think so many people don't call anymore that when you call people, they actually answer their phone nowadays and they actually want to hear, talk to somebody. So you're expressing, uh, you're expressing ma uh, two of Mandarano's uh, laws of business, and that is pick up the phone and call and tenacity. Yeah, Go. yeah. That's great. And thank you for sharing that. That is so great for entrepreneurs to hear, especially young entrepreneurs these days who use that little device and they text everything and uh, email and they don't talk to people. Just talk to people. Pick up the phone and call them. It's exactly right. Great advice there. Tell us what that pivotal moment was in your life when you really knew that you were a car guy. You remember that moment? You know, it could be at staring up at that Bora. It could have been <laughs> one of those moments. Yeah, that'll do it. That's, that could have, and then I, I can't discount Ferrari either. Sure. Uh, being at Ferrari and Maserati on the same day, I think at that moment I became you know, a real Italian car guy. Oh, for sure. And I've been to those factories, but I was there much, much later. It must have been really interesting being there in the early 70s when things were so different, probably a lot more open. Yes, you know, open, but still as impressive. Just different product lines. Right. And more automated now, but back in those days, it was a more family-oriented, more sure. down-home, so to speak. Exactly, you know, yeah. You could kind of walk around, and the guy was walking there with you. and Yeah, it, that was an impressive time. That's cool. Well, Frank, what I want to do now is take a look at some of the roads you've driven down and really crawl under the hood and get our hands a little dirty. Would you share a huge challenge or even a great failure that you faced that really pushed you to a breaking point? But more importantly, share how you overcame that and what you learned from it. Well, <laughs> I, you know, I've had many failures. Um, you know, if, if, if you're not up, you know, swinging and trying, you know, you're not failing. I, I guess the biggest failure was when I came back from uh, Italy, my hotel had been repossessed. Not to go into a lot, a lot of details, but there was a, a big fire in Seattle at one of the old hotels, downtown Seattle, and six people were killed. It's called the Ozark Hotel Fire. So then the city got all up in arms, and they were going to go around, and they were going to check out, you know, the fire department was going to check, and the building department was going to inspect all the old hotels. So my hotel, being built in 1901, was on their target. It was on their hit list. This was all while I was in Europe. They found it deficient 
and not up to code. They uh, levied a fine of like thirty dollars a day for every you know space that was rented, and it became repossessed. It went back to the guy I bought it from. And I so when I got home, I had no hotel, no business. My 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 business my my business was in ruins, and I ended up living in my own hotel in one of those little rooms with a bathroom down the hall. Oh my gosh! No, no hot water. Uh, I'd go to my friend's house for showers. I'd go shave at the gas stations. Oh my and, goodness! Uh, I was just like down and out. I had a, I had a little a '65 Chev that I bought in a, at a at a tow auction for a hundred bucks. That I I called the I called the car. It was a four door six cylinder. I named it Black Beauty, but mm-hmm. Black Beauty was really green because when it rained, the paint came off. Somebody had wa- painted it with uh, water soluble paint. Oh gosh! <laughs> so. I was down and out, and uh, but I took it in great strides, and I went and got a job, and I worked myself back up, and uh, there you go. There's that tenacity again. There's that tenacity. Yeah, absolutely. Frank, let's shift gears and go to the whole other end of the spectrum, and tell a story when you had a real aha moment in your business, your career, a time when you realized that, and perhaps it's with the Car Guy Tour, hey, this is really going to make it. This is a cool idea. Boy, that's interesting. I, you know, Again, there's so many of them. You know, one that comes to mind was when I first started the Maserati Club. We were selling we were selling manuals and small parts and things, very limited kind of things. In order to, in order to sell the the manual, the guy would have to call us and or he write us a letter and say, "Yeah, I'd like to order the the Ghibli manual." And then we'd say, "Well, you'd have to you got, now you got to have to send us a check." So then he would have to send a check, and then we would send the manual. It was this big, arduous, difficult transaction that took place sure and then one day again i was driving to work and i heard on the radio uh this advertising and the guy said just phone us on up and give us your credit card number and we'll send it right out to you and i thought whoa wait a minute what a great idea it was an aha moment and so we began we signed up for taking credit cards and then the guy called and said do you have a manual he says yeah we can send it right out today just give us your credit card number and it's done and boom you know it doubled (laughs) our income instantly now, now I'm sure youngsters listening to this are going, what is he talking about? People use their credit cards all the time, but in those days, there That's, wasn't the internet, and yeah. those things didn't exist. So I heard the same thing from the um, artist, uh, gentleman Tony Singer, who sells beautiful art prints and things. You probably know Tony from Singer at events. And he said the same thing when all of a sudden the internet came around and he could have a website where people could see what he was selling instead of trying to fax things to people or describe, well, the poster looks like this, all of a sudden, aha, now I'm exposed. So that's that's pretty funny that all of a sudden just getting credit cards was that aha moment. Yeah, that was a big aha moment. And then uh, buying out Maserati automobiles was a big aha moment. Ooh, wow. So, uh, we, we were buying we were we were buying parts inventories from all over the world. We bought the we bought the German parts, the Maserati distributor. We bought the French distributor. We bought the Spanish distributor, the UK distributor. We're talking containers of old GT car parts and wow. shipped ship them to Seattle. And then our last purchase, we purchased Maserati automobiles in Baltimore. A million dollars, all cash, everything. Lock, stock, barrel, the key codes, the shelving, the works. So we bought out Di Tommaso in 1994. And I've always said that my claim to fame has nothing to do with Concorso or the Maserati Club, my claim to fame is I'm one of the only guys, if not the only guy that ever did business with Di Tommaso that did not get screwed. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> That's wonderful. <laughs> Even Carol Shelby told me one time, I asked him about Dita Monster, he said, the son of a bitch still owes me $150,000. <laughs> well, you are truly a star here on Cars, yeah. That's a first. That's fantastic. Frank, tell us about your very first really special car and maybe some memories or fond memories you have of that vehicle. That would have been my 47 Ford convertible. Not a Maserati. No, 16 years old, back in Bellingham. You know, I'll never forget. How could you ever forget the night, the day you pick it up and your mom drops you off and uh, you get in it and you drive home. You know, you got the top down and it's got a flathead in it. It's kind of like Biff and Back to the Future. (laughs) And, you know, you're just in heaven. You're 16 years old and you got a 47 Ford convertible. Wonderful. What color was that car? It was black with uh, kind of a red maroon vinyl interior. Ooh, sounds cool. Sounds cool. All stock, of course, and that didn't last long. It eventually had a Chev 283 put in it. Of course. (laughs) More power. More power. Is there a current project you're working on right now that really has you excited and fired up? Well, you know, I I sold the Maserati Club about 12, 13 years ago, and then I sold, I had about 15 Maseratis in my collection, and I just kind of... I sold them all. You know, I just thinned out the fleet, and that was it. Uh, But currently, over the last four years, I've gotten back into, I fell in love all over again with 3,500 GTs. And I just really enjoy those early roll-up window 3,500s on carburetors. And I currently have four of them. So I've purchased one each year over the last four years. So Mm -hmm. that's my my current flame. I just... I love those old cars. I love working on them and and bringing them up to like new condition and tuning them and finding parts for them. I'll interject here that if uh, any of you listeners love Petrolicious, they did a special on Frank and his one of his cars and uh, check that out. I think it'd be pretty cool. You see exactly what he's talking about. Those guys did a great job, and you know they called me up on Monday morning and they said, you know, hey, uh, I'd like to do a video on your Maserati uh, 3500. I says, yeah, sure, I can do that. When do you guys want to do it? He says, how about tomorrow? <laughs> there you go. You know, yeah, about 5 o'clock we'll be at your house down in Palm Desert. Uh, well, uh, yeah. Okay. So there it was. Boom. Pick, pick up the phone, make the call. It yeah. might happen. So. Yeah, okay. Now here's a silly question. If you were a car, Frank, what kind of car would you be? And more importantly, why? You know, if I was going to be a car, I'd, I'm not sure I'd be a car. I think I'd like to be a helicopter. <laughs> well, that wasn't the question, but why do you want to be a helicopter? Well, I think, you know, I got I have a lot of uh, flight time in those uh, UH-1 Huey helicopters, and those things are they're like a sports car on steroids that not only goes fast, but goes up and down and sideways. And yeah, yeah. It's just once you've been in a UH-1, it's like being on a carnival ride. Very exciting. My father-in-law served in the Marine Corps and flew on many of those in Vietnam, and he said the same thing. They're just marvelous machines. He said, it was so much fun going up in those things. Yeah, really incredible. But if I had to be a car, I don't know. I'd probably be a bulldozer. A bull- there you go, a bulldozer. Okay. <laughs> a D9 cat. Yeah, because of that uh, tenacity. You just like power it. through. Yeah, people describe me that way. Okay, cool. Well, listen, Frank, we're up to the last lap. You know what that means? We're getting close to the end of the race here. This is where I fire off a series of questions, and you give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. Are you ready to go? Let's do it. Okay. What is the best automotive advice you've ever received? That I've ever received? Um, Automotive advice. Yeah, automotive advice. Change oil often. Change oil, yeah, especially in an old Maserati or any old car. 
any old car, any car. You know, even my Mercedes, they say it's got a 15,000 oil change. I change it every 5,000. Yep, I agree. I agree. Can you share one of your personal habits that you believe has contributed to your success? Well, of course, tenacity. Sure. You know, uh, using reason and, and thinking. Thinking. Yeah, and you mentioned listening earlier, too. Listening and thinking and using reason, you know, and logic. It a, lot, a lot gets lost. Absolutely. Do you have a favorite resource that you'd like to share with our listeners? Maybe a website that you really enjoy? You know, I certainly like uh, Ferrari Chat uh, and Maserati Chat. There's a, you know, there's a lot of you know information there and some good stuff and some good guys. I like uh, Hemmings Motor News. You know, for cars for sale and Veloci Today is is a is a good site to go to. There's, there's really a lot of them. Frank, would you share a book you recently read that you really enjoyed with our listeners? You know, you know, I have varied tastes. You know, I'm, I, I like I like current events. I like to keep up on current events. I've read two books recently. I'm uh, in the Blood Feud uh, was a great book uh, about Obama and uh, Hillary Clinton mm-hmm. uh, by Klein. Yep. And then um, through one of uh, and and then Go Like Hell. Ah. I just finished that. Uh, on audio, audio tapes, I, you know, I, I walk, you know, a couple, three miles, you know, every other day or every day here on Mercer Island. And while I'm walking, I listen to books on tape. And um, Go Like Hell is an incredible book. Yeah. yeah. I think one of your other uh, interviewees had recommended it. And uh, it was because of that that I went and grabbed it and thought, yeah, I'm going to listen. I'm going to give that a go. Very, very impressive book that I highly recommend. Yeah. Audiobooks are, are awesome. And I'll remind our listeners that, uh, We'll post links to all these resources that Frank has shared with us at carsyad.com slash Frank Mandarano. Do you have any other hobbies outside of cars that you're really passionate about? Well, I'm a, you know, a, f- a photographer. I've got you know thousands and thousands of Maserati photos from the days that we were restoring cars. And I've always been a photographer, and much of my work has been published. And, of course, real estate is my primary business. We currently own a commercial building in Bellevue and a uh, medical facility up in Mill Creek. Mm-hmm. Real estate is is my what I would characterize as my primary business. Sure. Everything else is just kind of a hobby and fun stuff. But, yeah. You know, I like to fly fish. And I don't fly anymore, but I'm a commercial-rated pilot. I got uh, twin engines. Uh, I fly twins and I fly floats. Uh, actually, I, I learned to fly floats by Lana Kurtzer here on Lake Union, who is a an icon for over 50 years. And I'm very proud to say it's kind of like being trained to drive by Carol Shelby. Sure. Uh, Lana Kurtzer taught me how to fly floats. He, he was an amazing guy. Oh, fantastic. That's uh, fun. You know, I would enjoy flying again, but I'm getting old now. And I'm not current. So we're up to the checkered flag here, Frank. And this last question can be a real doozy for some people. If you could only have one collector car in your garage... And this is something you can't sell to buy a bunch of other cars with. And money's no object. What would that car be? But more importantly, why do you choose it? Well, the biggest, one of the biggest mistakes I ever made in my life was selling my Ghibli Spider to buy a new 2002 Maserati Spider. And my Ghibli Spider, I had it for 19 years. It had 15,000 miles on it when I bought it. An original paint, leather, perfect car. I'd want that car back. And why? What is it about that car? You know, the Ghibli Spider 
was just a great all-around car. It was always in fashion. It was always in style. You know, you could drive it in the blowing snow up to Vancouver with the top up and our, with the hard top on and the air con- or the heater on. The windshield wipers worked great. In the summer, you could put the top up and the air conditioning on and blow cold. The car was just fantastic. When I when I sold it, it had 38,000 miles on it. I, I put some 20,000 miles on the thing. It just never let me down. It was very civilized. It just was a great all-around car. I sold it to a guy in Japan, but I did get a first rider refusal to buy it back. So one of these days, I'm going to get that call, and I don't know how much it's going to be, but I'm going to do whatever I can to get that car back. Well, I hope you get it back. That would be fantastic. Frank, you've taken us on a great ride today, and I really enjoyed your stories. I want to thank you for sharing your journey with me and the listeners. Could you give us one parting piece of guidance before you drive off into the sunset in that Ghibli and then let our listeners know what's the best way to learn more about you and your business and then we'll say goodbye. Well, you could go to carguytour.com. That'd be the first way or just send me an email or just pick up the phone and give me a call. <laughs> you, uh, you know, I, I'm around. So sure. Uh, sure. I don't know that I have any advice or not. uh, Well, maybe one parting piece of guidance. You've been successful in so many things that you've done. One thing you could share with those entrepreneurs out there that want to work in their field of passion, want to work in the field of automobiles, maybe one piece of guidance you could give them that could get them that first step towards that dream. Buy the real estate uh, as young as you can. (laughs) There you go. Use the business to buy the real estate. There you go. One piece of advice is... You know, I'm I'm happy if my business pays the mortgage on my commercial building. Sure. Somebody once told me, and that's great advice. Yeah, absolutely. Buy the real estate as quick as you can, as young as you can. Great advice. Great advice. Well, listeners, I'll remind you, you can, again, get links to everything that we've talked about here and that Frank has shared with us at carsyad.com slash Frank Mandarano. Just type Frank in the search box, and his show notes page will pop right up. Thank you, Frank, for being so generous with your time and your expertise, and sharing your experiences with us, listeners, today. Until we talk again, we'll see you down the road. Thanks, Mark, and uh, happy to be on your show for its 50th show. Yep, number 50. You're a milestone for me. I appreciate it. This is awesome. It is awesome. (laughs) Let's do it again on the next 50. Okay, we'll do that. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.